This podcast is a part of the Dragon Suplex Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at chopskicksandnearfalls.com for daily articles about wrestling from around the globe. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Chops, Kicks and Near Falls podcast. This is episode 7, if we if we don't count the uh, bonus episode that we did for Christmas. Um, I am Conrad, as always I'm joined by Val. Hello Val, how are you? Hello, um, well I'm pretty good on this um, on this Thursday night, how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, it feels like ages since we've recorded an episode for... Yeah, it's going to be two months, actually, as we skip January. Yeah, I think it's kind of fair fair enough, though, with New Year's and the world still being a bit messed up. We took took a bit of time before actually coming back. Yeah, but excited to be back. We've got a pretty stacked episode, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got two two big parts, starting with... um, The first thing we're going to do is a... Recap of what's been happening uh, mainly throughout um, Japanese wrestling in uh, in 2021. Like we've got a, already a good bunch of things to tackle there. And the second part of the pod would be um, kind of uh, kind of similar to what we did with um, Active Events Pro Wrestling uh, a few episodes ago. Um, pretty much a guide through Seedling, the Joshi promotion. So that's going to be yeah, as you say, that's going to be quite a stacked episode. Yeah, I think we've kind of got our finger on on the pulse of the wrestling community with this one, like especially with the uh, Sardin Budokan show in just less, no, just over two weeks' time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And two two of the biggest matches on that card are um, featuring seedling talent. Yeah, it's yeah. good timing. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a good opportunity for me to watch some wrestling. I'm sure um, I remember seeing you Val as well saying that it was cool yeah. to kind of go back and watch some old seedling. So yeah. So uh, let's jump into the first bit and talk about the rest of um, the Japanese wrestling scene in 2021 so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we, we're going to start with um, the, the big fish, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, the big news, obviously, Wrestle Kingdom 15. We, we've witnessed Kodai Ibushi winning both the IWGP Heavyweights and Intercontinental Championships. He is now a double champion. Uh, at New Beginning, he defended against... He defended the belt successfully against Sanada, and now his next challenger is going to be another that did Naito, uh, and the two are going to, or should be, um, facing each other for the Intercontinental title, um, unless uh, Naito has to forfeit the match, uh, given he has been injured on his right knee. Uh, I think uh, on yesterday's show, if I, if I don't Yesterday's show, or the one prior, but it was recently. So that's scheduled for Castle Attack on, I believe, in 10 days. Yep. 10, yeah, uh, 28, I believe. So, yeah, that's pretty much the first big news. Uh, quick thoughts on Kibushi basically becoming a double champion and the start of his run so far? Um, I think it's kind of inevitable, but it was going to be, um, like, kind of become the double champion, as much as, like, I'm upset that Naito didn't get a fair shake with the pandemic and the evil stuff that didn't really work as well as we kind of, well, I wanted it to. 
Um, I kind of feel bad for Ibushi though, because um, he's kind of. I feel, I feel he's kind of just being a guy, because you've had Tanahashi and Shingo overshadowing his and uh, him and Sonata, and then you've had um, mm-hmm. nobody was talking about him beating Jay to defend on night two of Wrestle Kingdom, and everybody was talking about what's going to happen with Jay, and he just feels like another guy. Like he doesn't feel like a world champion. He just kind of feels like well, you know, just happy to be there, not the guy that you really want carrying your company. I think that kind of backs up a lot of the arguments that we've made about him kind of, well, I've kind of certainly made the argument about him being kind of lacking something that makes him that top champion. And maybe, hopefully, if Naito's cleared, then he'll inject some life back into this reign and save it before it gets a bit naff. Yeah, I've been thinking a bit of the same thing, yeah, regarding Ibushi. Like, right now, I'm not exactly... I'm not exactly sold on him as a world champion right now. Now, now it just got it just got the belt, and still it's still quite early. So we've we've got to see how things go, and maybe maybe the match with Naito actually um, well just del- well just delivers to 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 the level we would expect it to be, and and ju- and. Yeah, I get 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 a rain to 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 a higher level essentially. Um, now, now, I don't really. Yeah, pretty much. I don't really want to judge too early right now. Like Phil's, he essentially just got the belt, so I don't really want to. I've been pretty harsh on Ibushi before in the past, and I would like to not be uh, to be a, a bit more conciliant right now. Like just give him that, uh, yeah, give him that chance essentially, and not be too rough on him and what's happening. Yeah, I think that's more than fair. Like, I think the issue is as well is kind of like New Japan is still kind of insistent on going ahead on like those really long matches. Yeah. Um, with um like pandemic era crowds, um, it was kind of going to be a struggle to get something good. And I think I don't want to rag Nada because he's really good, but I don't think he was the right guy to make that first defense. I think if it if it was gonna be an LRJ member, it should have been Shingo or um, I was gonna say Evil, like he hasn't been like out of that action for like six months. But yeah, I think it should have been Shingo or Evil. They could have kind of injected that kind of missing something to kind of make that defense memorable. Yeah, um, I I guess I wasn't necessarily too bothered with Sanada. I just didn't the fact that it was for both belts made me just not buy into into his chances pretty much that was I think that was my issue yeah I think I, I agree I think if it was for the IC title um, then it would have been better and you could have kind of rebuilt that belt but with it being for both belts and we kind of knew with how long Yabushi's kind of been waiting for the heavyweight title mm-hmm. to kind of be put on him then it wasn't going to happen but yeah, yeah and hopefully they, it picks up Steve yeah, and now they're just doing it with Naito like they're just Putting the IC belt on the line, so it's like, why didn't you do it with Sanada before? Who, who, who would have been definitely benefited from it? It's questionable. I think it's questionable. Yeah, I think they're just on autopilot at the minute with the top titles, just like uh, tried and tested challenges until the crowd are allowed to kind of cheer again, and then they can try like any something with evil again or mm. someone similar. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. 
Yeah, we can move on to the to to the second point. Um, well, we were talking about the university in uh, the, the university in Winshingo and Tanahashi, sort of uh, outshining Ibushi, and that's our second point. Um, I word I word that maybe a bit too hard. I worded it maybe a, a bit too hard on the on the document that we have. But uh, is the university right now the the main good thing about New Japan right now? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I was enjoying the tag scene, and then God came back, and <laughs> it's not been good. It is like this is sports entertainment stuff. Like I get some people like it, and you know what? Cool, I get you like it, but this is kind of for me is a big step down from, and it's kind of just reversed all the work that Techers did with those belts last year to make them actually kind of mean something. Yeah, the the whole thing with the iron finger that they're doing, like this angle that they're doing right now, I, it's quite funny in a sense, but it's also not exactly what I want to see. So yeah, it's kind of where I stand on this thing. And then like even the junior title, which was kind of exciting, and like I was kind of hoping for a longer Ishimori reign, but I get why they put it on Hiromu because he's kind of like their their guy that they're building, kind of like the division around for like the next five ten years at least. And I just don't. I don't get why they're running it back with Phantasmo. Just like he lost at Wrestle Kingdom, but I don't know why they're doing that again. And I kind of fear that they're going to put the belt on him, and he's he's not good. I don't think he's 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 an okay like in ring talent, but he's just I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't say I'm exactly sold on Phantasmo either, and I could I could totally expect. Um, well, essentially the belt, uh, the belt switching ends, and that's our third point here. Um, like, since there's going to be the junior tag titles match being uh, defended as well, on I think at Castellatic as well, um, I could see Hiromu and Bushi finally reclaim, uh, claiming those titles, and then the the, the singles belt coming to uh, get going to Fantasmo, which yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure about it. Then in the meantime, I, I, it's not something exactly logical. Like I can call it logical, but I'm not. Sure. Yeah, it's it's the same as you. Basically, I'm not fully sold on sold on Phantasmo at the top hill, but yeah. I'm at this point. I'm willing to see it. So I'm willing to see where this goes. If that yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like if they're going to put it on Phantasmo, it's kind of I, I kind of see it as kind of a like. A, ripping off a plaster and get that kind of it out of the way and it's fine and we can get back to Hiromu or see I, I feel with this AEW New Japan stuff which will kind of uh, be our next point on the New Japan stuff um, I kind of feel that it's going to lead to another kind of bullet club split and we could see Ishimori and Phantasmo kind of have like a mini feud over the junior title while Hiromu and um, Bushi kind of build up the uh, junior tags and yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really weird situation. I think you can tell that New Japan and they're kind of like struggling a little bit, and they haven't stepped up to the plate since um, since the pandemic. In terms of like from a story perspective, like in terms of in ring stuff, it's been largely good, but in terms of story, it's been lacking. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm really not sure where they, where they're gonna go with the junior title uh, at this stage. Um, my main guess was if Phantasma wins the belt, it's going to be to eventually elevate someone else as a 
as one of the top baby faces in the, in the division besides Romo, if not to the same level, obviously, but like maybe show winning the Super Juniors uh, tournament later this year, or maybe maybe Watto getting 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 a big shot, someone like someone along those lines. But maybe that's a bit of a long shot. I don't know. I quite like to see Watto. Kind of seem. I'm assuming that when he wins the junior title, he becomes the grandmaster. Yeah, I feel that's kind of like the only logical thing that they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that that's pretty much the simplest thing, and the yeah, the, the most logical one. Maybe it's more. Uh, maybe there's more of a story driven behind this. We don't know. We don't really know yet, so it's mm-hmm. it's still quite blurry on that end. But I'm curious to see where this goes as well. Like this whole little stick that uh, Kawato has currently. Um, we haven't actually talked too much about the never scene, but um, just to touch on what's going to happen soon with the never scene at Castle Attack, we got uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defending against uh, Great Hokan in the rematch from Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, quick thoughts on quick thoughts on this um, on this rematch and what you could potentially potentially see happening. Well, first of all, I really love the fact that. Um Okan's getting more attention and build them well Osprey at the minute. That is a win. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't see Tanahashi retaining here, especially um, like Tana gets the win at Wrestle Kingdom, like as you'd expect him to. Um, and then I kind of feel that the only logical step is to build um, Okan and give him the Never title, um, especially with the Mongolian chop thing and the fact that he's the only one that's allowed to do it now, um, yeah. which was. Quite, it's quite interesting, but yeah, I can see this kind of being as much as I'd like a longer Tanahashi run. Um, I kind of feel that he's going to kind of eventually challenge either Naito or Ibushi for that IC title, maybe at Dominion, to kind of make it mean something. I wouldn't mind one last Tana, Tana run with like one of the top two belts to kind of re legitimize and then make a new star again. Yeah, I would. I certainly wouldn't be against um, any of these either. Um, about the never belt, I could, I'm quite on the same stance as you. I, I could, while I could see Tanahashi eventually, still eventually retaining, because because you, I think you you can still do more with him as, as never champion. Uh, I feel like this rematch, this rematch isn't. Um, I feel like they're gonna they're they're just gonna push Okan actually maybe like yeah stronger than we maybe first thought and that's why the re- that's why the rematch is actually happening and I I could see them strap a rocket on him pretty early and just give him the belt and run with it maybe for a short run depends depends on what they what they wanna do maybe maybe Shingo fits with him um, later post uh, Castle yeah. attack but yeah I could see Okan winning. I could see him get the belt and and just run with it. You're getting pushed. In a sense, New Japan does need to elevate some people, so that would be that would be a fair thing to do. Yeah, I think with his like legitimate kind of sporting background as well, there's kind of a um, yeah, it helps him a lot. And a lot of people kind of looking at him like, oh, he's got a weird look, or he's kind of like not the traditional kind of New Japan like main event kind of guy look about him. But I think it's really good. Like, I really like the kind of the aesthetic yeah. that he's got going on. Like, um, I, cool. I would have. Yeah, I think he looks cool. He's got a good mood set, and 
as much as people didn't like it, I enjoyed the Wrestle Kingdom match that he had with Tanahashi. I, th- I thought it was quite good for kind of a big stage against like someone that I still see as kind of the top guy in New Japan. To me, to me, it's very reminiscent of the like of the Jay White situation when he when he came back from excursion. Um, same setup, obviously, and the match was while 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 it was not like the the, the incredible uh, kind of Wrestle Kingdom main event match that you that, that you can expect um, the, in terms of in ring quality and and all that kind of stuff, but it was still pretty decent and not. De- definitely not one of the worst matches that happened on that night. So and he and it benefited all kind in the end. So you, I, it, it did its job and it wasn't. It it didn't feel out of place. So essentially it was. Uh, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, and to quickly move on, we've got well, actually my actually I, I was saying I was talking about the the, the first of uh, our four points here being the biggest. Maybe that one is actually the biggest. Um, Kenta appeared in AEW quite recently, um, attacking John Moxley and setting up the IWGP US uh, title title match, which will happen, I believe, on the 26th of February, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think so it's next Friday. Yeah. So yeah, Kenta is, has appeared in in AEW, and there have been rumors about uh, well. Let's say a lot of talk about um, this being, let's say, more than a setup for the more than a setup for the uh, IWGP US title match, and potentially setting up a partnership between the two companies. So that's pretty much been the, the big talk over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's kind of it's been cool to see people excited, but at the same time, it's kind of like, do you really think this is going to go well? Because we know how working relationships go. Like, you get a couple of dream matches, and then, like, two, three years down the line, everything goes down. And it's like, I kind of can't help but feel like there's just something nagging at the back of my mind that's going to, could end up similar to the New Japan Noah relationship um, from a few years ago, where kind of New Japan kind of ruined that product. And if I'm not mistaken, which I very well, which I probably am, because I'm still quite new to Noah, but. Um, New they, Japan tried to kind had, of kill Noah. They had uh, Jado essentially booking the shows at that time, and Jado wasn't exactly the, the isn't exactly Gado in terms of bookings, like the same kind of genius. And um, it essentially like he that's the the booking decisions essentially uh, affected the attendance and put Noah in a really bad um, uh, financial situation. So that's what happened. Yeah, like, I can't see it being kind of like that bad, but I don't know. It just I don't kind of see it as an exciting thing because um, I've read the reports and a lot, a lot of it is built around John Moxley and the fact that everybody wants like John Moxley to be on their show, and then uh, there's the prospect of Kenny and the G1 and them doing Kenny Okada five and Kenny Ibushi whatever they're on, and it's just if those are the only two matches that you really want to see, like is it really worth? having this because it just I feel that their weakest area is still the women's division and if they t- partnered with DDT or like Cyberfight in general you can't uh, do like a managerial deal and you could have had could have struck some up with Noah, DDT and Tokyo Joshi and then you could have had 
like a lot more than kind of, frankly, rematches of what we've already seen. Mm-mm. That that's partly true, especially as well. Um, AEW has been looking a lot at and using and actually using TJPW talents over time, and some some of them have have been in the in the um, women's tournament, the, the Japanese brackets. So that's one thing which we we can wonder about. And then just about the the new Japan relationship for me. Um, I would say the I would say ultimately there are things to be excited about. Uh, now the point where I think I agree the most is that if you just want it for the rematches, I question your. Let's say I would question your um, the way you you actually see the this this whole thing and essentially how you perceive it like. You, it's cool if you want the, the Okada uh, and Omega rematches, of course, and if you want to see more of um, of the Golden Lovers together or against one another. Now you now you have guys on the AEW roster like the likes of Pac, the likes of Pentagon and Phoenix, just to name these guys, who would be interesting ultimately in New Japan. So these are guys that ultimately you could, ultimately you could use. So, uh, I think like top guys, top guy wise, I think that'll be good. Like Pack, um, Lucha Brothers, and kind of Lance Archer and with Suzuki going again, that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. But, like I don't really want to see a Jurassic Express run through like World Tag League. <laughs> yeah, and it's, that's just that, that they'll want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it just like depends on how you look at it. Like the, yeah. it's good and bad at the same time. It's just finding that balance. Yeah. At the end of the day, that kind of thing is too large to be either uh, 100% good or 100% bad. Like there's going to be the, there's going to be the right side and the and the side which is not so bright. Um, at the end of the day, I guess we can just wait and see until the until the the, the, the U.S. title match. I'm sorry. Um, later this month and see what happens from there um, ultimately I guess we I guess we both pred- we will assume I should say that Kenta is going to become the new champion yeah it seems stupid not to because like this is Moxie's what second reign I don't think he's defended it yet yeah uh, in the second reign well he defended it he, I don't even remember that's to that's to did he beat Juice Oh wait, no, yeah, he beat Juice and Suzuki, yeah. and then he he couldn't get back into Japan. Yeah, that's it. That's it. He was he was supposed to defend against like Saber Jr., but that couldn't happen. And since then, the belt essentially disappeared. Yeah, Kenta makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, on that, we're gonna move past um, the um, the second the well. We're gonna we're gonna move we're gonna move back we're gonna move to uh, towards stardom and uh, the news relating relating to the company. Um, obviously, the big the the big the big the, the news we have are going to rely. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say re- I shouldn't uh, revolve around uh, the, the the big the big bit show on March on March the third. Um, so so far, Utami is t- Utami Ayashita is still the. Um, the award of Stardom Champion, she has been, she, 
she had been she had been defended uh, she had defended the the title against Mo Watanabe in December, and her next challenger, unless I miss unless I'm forgetting somebody in January, but I don't think I do. I'm forgetting Mike. I'm forgetting Micah. I knew I was for, I knew I was forgetting somebody. I forgot Micah. So our next challenger is going to be Sayaka Mitani challenging. Um, so Intermodokan. Um, there, there have been a lot of talks about um, like before the um, the card actually the the card order actually released. Uh, which match would be the main event? We know that uh, this red this uh, red belt title match won't be the the main event. The main event will be uh, the wonder title match, the white belt. Uh, Julia Julia versus Tam Nakano, hair versus hair. Um, which if you if you are not aware, hair versus hair match, hair versus hair matches. I should I should say in Japan are quite a big deal, especially in Joshi Wrestling, so I would say it makes some sense that it is the main event, so though you, you could argue that may, maybe maybe some other matches could have could have main event and ultimately I think it's fine uh, I don't, like the first thing I want to ask you like, what do you think about this about these two uh, these two title matches and if you have thoughts about the, the whole main event discussion that have, that have been going on um, yeah, I think as you've mentioned, the hair versus hair stipulation kind of makes sense for Tam and Judith to go on last. Um, I think that kind of emotional kind of investment, and I think it's kind of going to be Tam's like crowning moment as mm-hmm. Wonder Champion. Um, and just, I can only see Julia kind of moving pretty much straight up into the red belt picture. Um, maybe like a few months off or something, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this makes sense. Uh, my money, when before the like lineup was announced, like in terms of order, my money was on Yoshiko versus Mayu in the main event, considering the work that Mayu did last year, um, and kind of her loyalty to Stardom for the last like decade, and the fact that yeah, Yoshiko is kind of yeah, massive. Like that was kind of like the big money match. I thought it was kind of silly not to put that on last, but um, yeah, Tam and Julia makes sense. Tam performs in big matches um, and as long as it doesn't go over 20-25 minutes I think Julia is a good wrestler um, and she's kind of got a lot of eyes on stardom um, from what I've seen a lot of kind of a lot of fans do like Julia um, they love 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 Julia as they say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah the one I was most sceptical about was the well, when it was first announced um, was Saya versus Itami and it was like is this really the match that you want to main event your biggest ever show? Like, and then you kind of look at it a bit more and it's like, it's a symbol of stardom kind of investing in their kind of younger talent and kind of setting, using this stage as kind of to launch the next generation of um, competitors. Um, I would have quite liked to have seen Momo in that kind of main event match, but I'm not complaining at the match that she's in. Um, but yeah, I can't, I kind of feel that Itami is kind of, she's in a similar situation to Ibushi. And I I don't mean that in like a bad way, but it kind of feels like she's kind of been overshadowed by other things. Um, like the seedling stuff. Um, that's kind of, as someone that's kind of fell out of, of the stardom loop, like I, I cancelled World. Um, that kind of, you know, like you follow a promotion, but you don't watch it all the time. Mm. I'm kind of, like that and it's I've kind of seen more people talking about the Mayu Yoshiko and Nana versus Momo than I have 
um, about anything that's going on with Itami, and maybe that's just me kind of and my the the environment I've built myself online. But yeah, it kind of feels that there's not much excitement. Well, there is excitement, but like not as much as there is for other matches, which is a shame because Itami is a good wrestler. Yeah, I essentially agree with uh, with pretty much all your points. Um, I, I I do also agree with um, as you said, it's not it's not exactly a lack of excitement regarding the red belt match, but you you can you can tell it's also not um, yeah the match that, that that has the most buzz. Like you have obviously the the Stardom Seedling feud, which has two big matches. Uh, Headlining that card as well, and uh, Julia versus Sam, which has been Stardom's pretty much hot, biggest and hottest feud uh, for like ever since last summer. So that's been the, the big thing they've been building towards. Um, yeah, at the, at the end of the day, this card looks pretty, looks pretty neat. It's very it's very solid. Um, the some of some of the other of, of the other matches that we got um, that we got announced quite recently were uh, Siri and Konami in, for the SWA title in a match I personally look quite forward to should be a very nice match. Um, we knew about um, the Ice Peep title match between a between Azumi and Spoy, which should be pretty nice as well. Um, there is the All Star Rumble. Uh, featuring many, uh, many, many, for, many former talents such as such as uh, yeah, yeah, you've got you've got Yokobito, you you also have the likes of Hiro, Hiro Matsumoto, be a priestly star, right? Kid will be there, and many many others. Um, we've got the tag titles bet- uh, being defended. The new champions Himeka and Maika defend against Oda Tai, Saki Kishima, and Natsuko Tora. And am I forgetting something? I'm not sure. I don't think I don't think I'm forgetting something here. Besides the two uh, Stardom versus Sidling matches, of course, um, Momo Watanabe versus Nanai Takahashi and uh, Mayu Iwatani versus Yoshiko. That's the that's the whole Butokan Kalon match third. Um, needless to say, we we look quite forward to that show. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see um, Natsuko kind of being put into a title match, even though it's likely that she's not going to win. Um, but I mean, like, I'd like to see Natsuko with a title and for her to get past, like, a, v, um, a V-Zero run, like she had with the artist title last time. Um, and, yeah, it's just good seeing, like, all the talent on the card be in the All-Star Rumble is... I don't know how to feel, but she's not in a big singles match, so... Another win. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, it's not that I don't like B Priestley. It's just that, well, it is, but it's not. Um, it's, it's a bit of a weird situation. I think it's a, her association with Osprey kind of has soured me a fair bit. But yeah, it's, it's a really, really solid card. I think they're going to knock it out of the park, even though some of the matches, well, mainly the World Title match, kind of, I was a bit skeptical about um, at first. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much the same. I think the show's gonna be the show's gonna be pretty pretty neat. Um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on and with uh, um, ne- with next up all Japan pro wrestling. Um, some of the news that we've got is that Suwama is still the the the, the, um, 
the triple crown champion. He has been defending against um, Yuma Haoyagi and Shitaro Ashino so far into very, very good matches. His next defense will be in five days against Koei Sato, uh, so for the triple crown. Um, some of the other things that we can talk about, um, the tag titles, the world tag titles, I should say, have finally changed hands as um, Kento Minahara and Yuma Haoyagi have defeated uh, Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa in January, I believe on the second um, for the uh, yeah for the titles, and their first defense is coming is coming up also in five days against Daisuke Sekimoto and Abdullah Kobayashi of BJW. Um, that's a rematch from Real World Tag League, essentially, which was, I believe, um, uh, Kento and Yuma's only only defeat of the tournament, I think. And the last and the last of the three main things we can talk about um, is uh, Koji Wamoto defending in two days uh, the junior title against uh, the legendary Sima of Strong Arts, which should be another pretty pretty good match. So Hall Japan quietly, uh, quietly in comparison to other other promotions, are still putting on some pretty good-looking matches um, in the safety of Korokanal. Um, and it's th th this time period for Japan is kind of a it's kind of a n not the most exciting time. Like where it's a time period where we where we are kind of waiting for the champion carnival, I would say, um, as it's pretty much the, the next big event coming up. Um, like if you've got any, like Conrad, if you got any thoughts on what's been happening in all Japan, like the floor is yours. Um, I've literally watched the tag title match um, with Kenta, no Kento, mm -hmm. sorry, um, and Yuma, and that was I kind of feel bad because I. Was, from what I've heard, uh, both of Suama's defences so far this year have been good. And it's just, I haven't gotten around to watching. I'd, I'd, I think it's, I said at the start of the year I would, and I haven't. Just other promotions have kind of, um, it's the same with like Noah and even Big Japan. I've kind of watched like one or two matches. I think Big Japan I watched like one show, and I just haven't. But yeah, I haven't really got many thoughts to add. Well, if I would, I'd. Um, if I did, I'd probably make myself look like an idiot, so um, uh, I'll leave on. All right, all right, all right. Well, then we're going to move, we're, we're gonna move um, fast towards uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, and um, they also had a big Budokan show quite recently. Um, but first, before actually talking about the Budokan, we're going to talk about some t uh, tag team scene with um, Katsuhiko Nakajima and um, Masaki Tamiya officially coming back as the aggression. Um they challenged uh current tag champion great tag champions uh, Takashi Sugura and Kazushi Sakuraba for the titles. Uh the match is going to happen on March seventh. Um could, can we can we expect new champions being crowned? I feel like this is quite a rhetorical question but I'm still asking just for uh Yeah I think we're pretty much guaranteed it. I know how happy you were about that the aggression <laughs> Um, I was kind of expecting it to go down at Budokan. Unless I've missed something, it, it didn't. Yeah, it did. I really thought um, the, that match, since it, it, uh, the challenge had been made um, 
like I think a week or two before the actual show. I really thought it was going to happen at Budokan, and it didn't, which I thought was very surprising. Now maybe I think I think it's Noah not wanting to stack too much of their of their matches on one show, which is understandable. No, I think it was it was big enough to make the card to make the big Budokan card, but it's what it is. Like, we're gonna t- we're gonna tune in on March seventh anyway, so <laughs> yeah. So this is fine. And the the second thing, the, probably the, the biggest thing coming off the of the big Budokan show is Keiji Muto winning the GHC Heavyweight Championship from Go Shiozaki. Um, what can we what can we say really? It we knew it was happening. Like we we pretty much assume it was, and it did. Um, we know. We we basically know the the positive the, the positive the positives of this and the and the negatives of this. We, we know this rain is not going to be the exactly at the same level of what we just witnessed with Shiozaki, but we know the purpose, of, or at least we assume the purpose is uh, to elevate some to elevate somebody uh, in younger in the future uh, as um, Kaito Kiyomiya has made the has made the the, the challenge right, right after Muto actually won the title, um, he, conf- he confronted him in the ring, and he's going to challenge on March 14th. So, first of all, um, some quick thoughts on yeah, Keiji Muto becoming champion, and then the the title match with Kiyomi at the rematch from last summer. Um, yeah, as you said, it, we we kind of all knew that it was coming, and I think some of us still weren't expecting it. Um, to be fair. To Muto, the, the match wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like, no, it was actually pretty decent. No, no, no. Yeah, from like the from an in ring standpoint, it wasn't the best, and it, it wasn't Go's best defense like at all. But in terms of emotional investment, I don't think I've been as invested yeah. in wrestling for quite a while. And I, I lived and died with everything that Go did, and kind of yeah, I was. I think I was sat in bed and I actually jumped out of my bed and I knee threw my phone across the room when. Um, when Muto won, and I was like, "That is not the finish. Like he's 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 gone off he's gone off on his own. There is shot on go, and that is why <laughs> it's just like." But um, yeah, uh, there are a lot of positives, as you said. Um, with him, kind of, it's almost guaranteed that he's going to elevate someone. Um, whether it's Kaito, I'm not sure. Um, the summer that kind of says that he's not going to lose it on his first defense. Mm. Um, but I feel the kind of nostalgia that he's got around him. Um, is kind of going to be a draw and with Noah kind of looking to grow even more this year mm. um, on the back of a very successful 2020 um, I can see him kind of keeping it on him for a little bit whether um, we kind of have a finish like what we saw with um, Shizaki um, or if we see something different that sees Kimia lose um, but then where do we go from there yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty much a big question. Like, if if Kiyomiya actually w- loses, I wonder where they go. Uh, the only option, the only other option that Kiyomiya that I had uh, was um, Junakiyama stepping up and challenging. Um, as we're gonna, ma- uh, I'm gonna get this out of the way right now. Uh, speaking of Junakiyama, he is. In DDT, has become the new KOD Openweight Champion, defeating Tetsuya and I. Um, t- I was I was almost I was almost going to say Tetsuya Naito, but it's, it's Tetsuya Endo um, 
Fuerte Foreman Chicken defeated, defeated him uh, four days ago on the 14th. Um, so yeah, th this was the only other option that I had, and in a potential uh, like champion versus champion match, uh, like maybe maybe not maybe not specifically a defense, but like just a a big champion versus champion match to 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 gain some time and just have that big uh, maybe maybe a co-branded show a co-branded show something like that possibly happening who knows but but yeah that was the like besides Kiyomiya that was the only thing I was really seeing so I'm curious to see if Kaito doesn't win the belt um, next March like who like where they go I'm I'm also quite curious to see where they go yeah. Um, and since we've got since we've got one other news uh, to to, ta to tackle, um, if I recall correctly, we've see, we we've witnessed that happen. Uh, in, we've witnessed in Dragon Gate happen. Uh, I think I think late in January, but I might I might um, I might be wrong on the on the, on the time frame. Anyways, we saw uh, a new unit forming Dragon Gate, composed of um, of veterans Yamato and Dragon Kid, alongside Benkei and Kazuki Okuda. Um, the name of that faction will be like should be revealed early in Ma in March, if I recall if I recall correctly. So that's one of the big announcements. And the other the other big news is the is the next open open Dream Gate title match being. Um, being announced for March 7th uh, between champion Shun Skywalker and uh, Kaito Ishida, former Open the Brave Gate champion. Uh, the main thought that I get from this is Dragon Gate essentially pushing their younger guys like even more than they were already doing with the likes of Benkei, Shun obviously and Eita, who, are, who weren't exactly proven commodities until they actually were pushed. Like, well, proven Proven commodities in terms of single success, I should say, because obviously in the ring they are pretty good, and they're kind of taking the same road with Ishida here. So I'm quite curious to see to see where that goes. Like I'm not I'm not sure you follow much Dragon Gate, but it's like, I don't follow Dragon Gate too much here. But I'm quite interested to see where this, this whole thing goes. Like this is it should be another successful defeat for Skywalker, but I'm curious. Yeah, I haven't really got much to um to add. I think it is admirable that um Dragon Gate are kind of investing in their young talent as much as they are. Like especially with other companies kind of not doing that as much. Mm. I think the only kind of I guess stardom you could you could make a case two AW you could, um to an extent. But yeah, I think it's really cool that they are. Um and as much as I don't follow Dragon Gate, I am kind of interested to see what they do with this new unit and um, what they do with it moving forward. Yeah, it, should, it, should, it, it also should be very interesting to see. Um, and now that we've covered all of this and that has been taking quite some time already, we're going to move on to the second part of this podcast, which, the, which is the guide through seedling that we that we told you about. Um, so to to start to start things off with some of I should say trivial information. Uh, the promotion was formed in the summer of 2000, 2015 following Nanai Takahashi's departure of stardom, which was announced in the summer in June alongside Natsuki Tayo. Um, if you want some deeper context, um, 
Takahashi leaving stardom was um, related to the Yoshiko and Akiyajikawa shoot incident uh, happening happening of, in February of that year. Um, essentially, Takahashi was the head trainer at the time and and received and received uh, the, and received blamed for that for that for that incident and that eventually led, led to a departure. Um, and as I, I think most of you, uh, most of you know, Yoshiko as well. In the meantime, was um, indefinitely suspended. Um, and back and back to seedling. Uh, the first, the, the first ever show actually was held um, on August 26th of that year, so later in the summer. Um, in terms of um, how 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 many shows they run, um, the, the frequency of their shows they run, they run shows amongst. Once, uh, once to twice a month, uh, approximately. Yep. Uh, so that's pretty much the um, the basic information in terms of roster. Like the the core members are Nanai Takahashi, of course, the founder, uh, Arisa Nakajima, Yoshiko, rookies Onori Hana, and Riko Kaiju, as well as um, former wrestler now turned uh, referee Natsuki Taiyo. Uh, we we also have um, recurrent figures who are either assigned to other promotions or are um, freelancers appearing quite regularly, the likes of, the likes of Hasuka, um, or also known as Veni. Uh, we also have uh, Rina Yamashita, Makoto Tsukasa Fujimoto of, of Ice Ribbon, Ryo Mizunami, Miyuki Takaze, which is working, I believe, in Actress and Girls, Hiroyu Matsumoto, uh, who is a freelancer, and Itsuki Aoki as well. I'm amongst other people. Um, we've got we also got two main factions. Um, at, least, at least we so far we do because there's been talks recently on, on I believe the, the the very last show about of Nanai Takahashi potentially um, dissolving the factions. Who knows how long that's gonna last? But anyways, we've got. Two groups in Max Voltage, formed by Nanai Takashi alongside Ryu Mizunami, Miyuki Takase, and Itsuki Haoki, and Las Fresa de Egoitas, um, the, heelish, the more heelish group, I should, in a sense, that's how they started, um, led by Arisa Nakajima, um, alongside Haska, Makoto, Riko Kaiju, Mima Shimoda, which you, ma which you may have seen in New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, not, most notably carrying uh, Cheers for Jay White. Some of you have noticed that, some of you may remember. And uh, Myra, Mar Maria, I should say, from Marvelous. Um, I was going to mention, um, sorry, yeah. like, um, okay. if you go onto the Seedling website, um, and you know how, like, Noah has those, like, alignment charts to, like, show, like, who's fighting who and who, like, who's in each faction. Mm. Um, and I wasn't too sure. I was going to ask before we started recording, I forgot. Um, I kind of assumed that Arisa was kind of out of Las Fresa de Egoistas because um, kind of seem like she's kind of like more towards like best friends um, yeah. with Takasa Fujimoto and um, like now teaming with Nanae and it kind of yeah. seems like Asuka is now kind of the lead the quote unquote leader of that faction like I'm not too sure because like I'm sure I've missed yeah. something along the way and I'm sure people on Twitter will tell us that I'm wrong mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah I, I started yeah. kind of bring that up yeah it it's also be, it also has been kind of my impression i since I had no particular inf particular information, and um, even the 
the uh, the the Haska versus Arizona Kajima. Unless I miss unless I miss something, the build of that match didn't didn't look to me like there was any actual breakup between the two between the two groups between the the, the, the two parties between the, the two parties I should say. So maybe and. For reference, on if, on most sources that you can find on the internet, Arisa is still um, is still listed as, as, the, as the member and leader of the faction. So who really knows what's been happening? Um, and and I realize, and I actually realized that, 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 that I had forgot one faction, which is the Yoshiko Gumi uh, or Yoshiko Gu, Yoshiko Gumi, I believe, which is of course led by Yoshiko and um, the two other members of. At, at least, at least there are two other members in that group, which are you and uh, which is working. Pro Wrestling Eve, Eve, right? Pro Wrestling Eve, exactly. I was, yeah, yeah. Pro Wrestling Eve and um, I am Mrs. Amura of Two AW, and I'm not entirely sure, but I think I think Honori Hana is also in that group. I think so too, but I'm not entirely sure about that. But so that. So four factions. That's essentially how it's currently looking like. Unless Nanai actually decide to dissolve everything, and then we did, and then we did all this pretty much for nothing on this story story. So anyway, that's what it is. And uh, and then next we're gonna move on to the championships um, in Sidling. So we've got we've got two. We've got the main singles championship, the Beyond the Sea singles championship, um, created in. Created in the fall of um, 2018, first won by Nanai Takahashi on November 1st by defeating in Arisa Nakajima in the inaugural tournament. Uh, in a match that you may you you may be hearing about a little bit later, um, one of many matches. Uh, the current champion, as we as we're as we're currently recording, is Yoshiko with uh, t- 220 days uh, of holding the championship. Um, and the long, and as far as longest train and most defenses, it's a record, it's a record, Rakujima, Nakajima holding both records with two with um, 299 days of of reign and four and four defenses. Um, what I'm gonna what I'm gonna ask you real quick, Conrad, is out of the main um, the main Beyond the Sea title matches that you've seen, which is your favorite? Um, I think it's kind of one of those ones where every match is delivered. Um, recency bias would kind of say Yoshika versus um, Arisa Nakajima or Arisa Nakajima versus Asuka from June the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I, the Oh, um, the hair versus hair match as well. Uh, Nanae versus um, Arisa, which I'm... And it was one of your favourite matches, Val. And it was, I watched it yesterday for the first time, and it was like, Jesus Christ, that is a, that is good stuff, like chef's kiss wrestling. Um, but yeah, that's, Absolutely. I'd say, narrow down to three. I'm sure we'll go into like other, I don't want to kind of go into too much detail as we kind of talking about matches anyway, like later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got we've got a good bunch of matches to talk about, um, but before that, we're gonna quickly we're, we're gonna uh, we're gonna quickly talk about the Beyond the Sea Tag Team Championships now. The the first championship actually being created in Sealing, as it it was also created in 2018, but in the in the summer um, there was also there also there, no actually actually there wasn't a tournament organized for this one. But uh, on July 15, the team of uh, Rina Yamashita and Yoshiko named Borderless. Uh, won the belts against 
by defeating Yanai Takahashi and Takashi Fujimoto, um, the current champion that, as we as we name as we fer as we named previously, are Risa Nakajima and Yanai Takahashi. Um, Nakajima, who alongside Yoshiko, I believe, has the has the most trains with four. Um, in terms of longest train, it's Hiro is Hiroyo Matsumoto and Yoshiko, and Yoshiko with 463 days, and they also have the most defenses with Hiroma with uh, with five, I should say, with five. <laughs> I was going to repeat their names again. Um, again, again, same question as for the singles belts. Uh, what out of the few matches that you've seen, like the, the tag title matches, which is your favorite? Um, as I've mentioned with the Beyond the Sea, I think it, you could easily just pick and choose and just say, right, this one is good. Yeah. Um, Most of them are I think, Yeah, the um, the Only No Cannibal versus um, Best Friends match from November um, of 2020 was great. Mm. Um, as was the rematch on the 11th of January. Mm. I don't think this, the rematch kind of got to the same level. Um, perhaps that's just because tag, tag belts went on the line. Um, but yeah, the I quite like the time limit draw as well, um, with best friends versus Matsumoto and Yoshiko. Um because like I feel it kind of it was good for the first twenty five minutes, um, but it was really, really great for the first twenty five minutes and you kind of figured that it was gonna go to a draw and it kind of went down a little bit, but I think it's definitely worth a mention, definitely worth uh, checking out if you haven't already. Most definitely, well, that's the main thing with time limit draws, like the the main flaw, really. Like, it's it's hard to to really maintain uh, the the sense that it's it's actually it's actually not gonna go uh, to the to the limit past a certain point. Like when with cert certain matches, certain matches don't actually manage to hold that tension for all the for up until the limit and. 30 minutes is already long, so <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, so it's a little, it's always a little hard to actually keep that same level of yeah tension bet um, during all the matches and all, and yeah during all the match. And s since we're on to the to the actual matches, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the pretty much last big part part of this of this pod which is the the list of recommended ceiling matches which we have which we've done. Um first we're gonna start with 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 a few series of matches that we that we've done. Um the first being which the, probably the one that I would call the the main uh, the main feud um of seedling for the last three years. Yeah, soon to be, yeah, pre yeah, three, four years now, uh, which is Nanai Takahashi and Arisa Nakajima, Arisa Nakajima. Um, they had they had four ma four singles matches so far. Um, the first one being in being on the 26th of January 2017 on the Sling Integral D show. They had they had their first um, they had the first um, the, the final of the of the Beyond the Sea Singles Championship on November 2018 at the Go Beyond show of that year. Um, yeah, they, they, had a, they had a yet another match um, in April of 2019 at the, at the uh, last Arizona Kajima produced show of Eisei Hera. Uh, um, and then they had the 
the famous um, Air vs. Air match in November of um, 2019 for the title again. Um, what I'm going to ask you is, out of the like, we we've discussed um, we've discussed um, a little bit about the the the, la the last of the four match of the four matches, but I'm still going to ask um, out of these four, which is the one which you yeah like essentially your your favorite like and. If that's your favorite, the the one that you would really recommend, if you had to um, pick one, I'd say the Nakajim producer. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I was I don't know what about it though. It's just kind of it was just one of those that way you kind of you're captivated from the beginning and the end. It's kind of one of those matches where like you don't need to have like a full understanding of the story to kind of realize like this is actually like so sick, um, and. Yeah, that was kind of. I watched this for the first time last night. Um, I think it was last night this morning. Um, and yeah, um, but yeah, I think my favourite kind of has to be the hair versus hair. Um, just because kind of the case of Arisa kind of finally besting Nana because um, she hadn't beaten Nana um, up until that point, had she? Yeah, she yeah, that was a first uh, singles win over over Nanai. So yeah, in that sense, it me it meant quite a lot. Uh, it was her first defense of the championship as well. So it was really a very a very storied and heavy match on both ends. So it's also probably my favorite in league match as well. So it's like like the match has also introduced me to the promotion. So it's the it's one of those matches which I, I think will really stick with me for quite a long time. Uh, yeah, that's one of those. Um, spe speaking of, um, of, big, of big time matches and big time rivalries, we're going to move on to another very uh, big rivalry which has mainly been been, been elevated last year. Um, Arisa Nakajima vs Yoshiko, um, they had three singles matches uh, uh, so far in Sidling, the first one being in 2017 on October. In October at the Ceiling Sparking D show, um, then they didn't face until until January of 2020 um, at the uh, at uh, the five anniversary Year Passion Accelerate show, and then they uh, which was it for the title? It, I don't think it actually was for uh, for the championship, but then they had the D title matches where Yoshiko actually won the WNDC championship. The July 13th uh, of 2020 matches match uh, out of these three again, which is the one that you would recommend? Um, I think the one from last January was probably my favourite. Um, I think it's just kind of it wasn't kind of like a modern match in the case of like there were lots of spots and there were lots of like throwing people around and stuff. It was just kind of like continuous kind of like aggression and violence and stuff. And um, I think that's kind of difficult to kind of maintain. Um, it's like kind of difficult to maintain like audience interest, especially when you're kind of, um, especially if the audience aren't like familiar. Um, and considering they went a time limit draw as well, um, and I think that's kind of like going to be like the most difficult thing to kind of keep audience investment until they hit that 30 minute mark. Um, and I think that's just like admirable in itself. Um, but then again, um, the uh, the July 13th match um, where Yoshiko won the title was really, really good. Um, they've just got such good chemistry together, like Arisa kind of as like a technical kind of master. Um, and Yoshiko can play, she's, she can play the bully role, but then at the same time, she's kind of, she was kind of eliciting a lot of like sympathy out of me. 
um, like watching Arisa kind of, you know, like beat the shit out of her. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're so incredibly good together. Um, and yeah, I'd recommend either of the 2020 matches, like singles or tags, because they're, they're just so good together. Yeah, I agree, especially on the on the chemistry part and the, their ability to, even though it's something that that is that you're pretty much going to see every match when at this point where when they're together, they're constantly having this tension, this, aggre- this aggressiveness, and even viciousness towards one another, uh, which it just adds um, this layer of intensity, which really get. It really helped me get into those matches. Into those matches as I was getting into the promotion, like just having something which is necessarily story-driven, but just to make you to make you grasp the intensity of the match and, and get you in, get you invested to a certain level. And they just yeah, they just do all of that really well. And we're, we're going to get to talk a, to talk a little more about it with with some of the next matches, like as. As now we're going to move back, we're going to move on to another series. Uh, this time, of two matches, we're going to move on to the to to the ta- to more of the yeah the 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 the, um, the, ta- the, the tag matches. Um, with the with the first series being uh, best friends Arisa Nakajima and and Tsukasa Fujimoto versus Hiro Matsumoto and Yoshiko. So um, our so we've got two matches listed, but we actually had three. The thing is, I actually couldn't find footage for the first um, of the three matches that they had, so I decided to not actually list it. But this this one happened in June in June of 2020. Uh, the second the, the second one happened at the ceiling fifth anniversary show um, on August 2020, and the third one, which was the only title match between the two teams, happened on the on August. October the third at the Seedling Yokohama Flash Show 2020. Um, again, same question. Like out of the, the two matches, um, which one you would, yeah, you would point uh, people towards? Um, I, I think I'd have to go with the 30 minute draw. Um, again, like as much as I kind of after about 27 minutes um, or thereabouts, and it kind of kind of lent more into kind of that. That kind of worry that they're just going to spam finishes until they hit the time limit. Um, but no, they kept me invested like throughout like the entire match. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't really like matches that go over 25. Like unless it's kind of like a really big kind of thing with a really big story going into it that can kind of be told over a long period. I'm not really one for it. Um, but this was really really good. Um, and they just kept it like kept it going like all the way through until um they hit the time limit draw and it was just it was just really enjoyable stuff. Yeah, it really was what impre- what impressed me the most at the time, uh, especially from especially from um Matsumoto and Yoshiko was um the the inherent chemistry from the from the two. Uh you ultimately you would expect that from a team uh, like Nakajima and Fujimoto who have been teaming together for for a good amount of years now. Um it hasn't. It hasn't necessarily been the case, and by that I mean really as a legitimate tag team for Matsumoto and Yoshiko. So that that quite impressed me. Like they're. It's one of those pairings which aren't necessarily a literal. Well, I well they ended up being a literal tag team, but it's 
they they aren't actually quite. You you I should say you don't necessarily identify them as one tag team like you wouldn't identify best friends for example in comparison. Um, yet they they pretty much they were pretty much flawless together as these yeah as these two bullies being um, pretty, yeah being pretty violent and aggressive towards their opponents. So they're they had this pretty good chemistry and with and with the other with the other team uh, of uh, Nakajima and Fujimoto you had you had two pretty. Yeah, pretty great, pretty great matches with with nice, uh, nice and pleasant, with nice difference of styles and and clashes of styles, I should say. So that was that was pretty nice. I think just um, before we kind of move on a little bit, I would just like yeah. to. Well, I guess we're kind of going like again with um, Yoshiko uh, tag matches, but I think um, I think it was Alex from Last Word uh, Last Word on Pro Wrestling, and he pointed out um, a while ago, and I don't think I could agree anymore um, that Yoshiko is kind of secretly one of the best tag wrestlers of this generation hmm. um just because like obviously the matches um where she's teamed with uh, Sari as well um and it's just amazing how well she can kind of gel with any partner on yeah. like short notice and have such a great match like all the time mm-hmm. put Yoshika with a broom and have her wrestle best friends <laughs> like, like five stars <laughs> basically yeah that's that's pretty much it like when you like it does translate a little bit with her having having success in dealing with tr- with three different partners in in Yamashita, Matsumoto, and Sari, and even even prior to that, if you if you if you dig into into her um, her wins in Sardom, she has also I believe she also has held the tag belt there, and and just by watching her, you can see that yeah, she, she really gels with basically anybody pretty well, like. You, you you put it pretty well. You you put it pretty nicely. Like you could put her with a broom or pretty, or or a doll or whatever, and you you would get you would you would get a good pairing like that. that that's how impressive it's been. Um, and since we're and since we're on the pretty much on the Yoshiko Tag Matches Freeze Train, I suggest we continue with um with the other big series of t- um, of tag matches of 2020. Uh, still between between best friends, but this time uh, against Oni Nikanabo, the team of Yoshiko and Sari, which uh, they had three big tag matches. Um, the first the first one we the first one happening and on Sidling's last on Sidling's last show of 2020, the November 27th show. Um, they they then they had the uh, a rematch for the first show of 2021, the January 11th. Um, and their and their their last their third and last match was um, eleven days later, so the twenty the twenty second of January, uh, which, which was um, Sari's last match in Japan, um, as she actually departed for um, for WWE now. Um, again, for this series of matches, which is the one that stood out the most to you, the one that you would recommend to people. Um, I think this case is like it's how most films are, and the fact that the original is always the best, and the sequel is kind of not as good. Um, and I think just because the drama of the tag uh, the tag belts being on the line was kind of there, and I think the finish um, of the first one was kind of it really caught me off. Not just like I think it was because I was kind of expecting best friends to kind of you know retain. Um, and I was, dis- I was really kind of upset to see that they'd lost after 
I think it was like 44 days or something like that. Um, definitely yeah, one of the shortest reigns in like recent memory to yeah, any title. Definitely was long. Uh, how days? I I have to, I, I happen to have the page open. So yeah, it was yeah 55 days. Oh, that's just... Yeah, yeah. The, the belt has been bouncing around quite a lot, and while while I'm at it, because I actually made a bit of a, uh, um, I, I made a mistake actually. So they, there have been, there haven't been three matches. There have been two. Like the the third match I talked about was actually Aris Nakajima and um, and the Night Hakashi facing on Kanabo, So that's my mistake. Um, where of where um, if you if you've seen that, like, if the the people listening have seen that match, that's where. Um, that's where Nakajima and uh, Takahashi actually reclaimed the titles. So yeah, that, that that's my music. But um, continue on, uh, continue on if you had anything to add. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say like all three of those matches were kind of insane. I think the third one, um, not that I've got anything against like Nana because she's like incredible, um, but I don't think it kind of hit the levels of the best friends, um, the best friends matches. Um, I guess that could kind of be put down to the fact that um, Arisa and Nana had only like teamed together. What was it? This is only like the second time that they teamed together um, when they made the challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I had checked that for them uh, prior to like to prepare the podcast, but I actually don't remember if it was the second or the third tag or the third tag matches that they had together. But really, there haven't been too many occurrences of them actually teaming in a two-on-two tag match together so yeah it does it does make some sense even even though they still have been wrestling a lot together like i had i had kind of the same impression that it wasn't quite the same chemistry as as uh, nakajima has with fujimoto but still very good chemistry between the two as they 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 still have this well, this connection together after wrestling a lot of matches together still over the years. Um, unless you had anything else to add, I suggest we move on to the last few matches that we, we had on the list. Um, yep. So as we now are done with the series, we're going to go... We're gonna go with a well, well, yeah, standalone matches, starting with um, Yoshiko vs Takumi Hiro from uh, August 24, 2017, from the Summer ba- Blast show of that year. Uh, for context, this this match was the final of the Ultramine Seven uh, tournament, which was a tournament held between um, wrestlers with uh, with less than seven years of experience, which which uh, actually surprised me that Hiro had uh, Hiro. Hiroha, I should say, only had um, around, uh, still around seven years of experience at this stage. Like, I thought she had much more, which is quite surprising. <laughs> but, um, if you've seen that, if you've seen that one, like, quick thoughts on this one, and if you thought how, how good, how, or how not good, maybe, you thought this one, this one was? Um, yeah, this is kind of like one that I was kind of surprised um, existed, and that's probably a, on my part, like, not being kind well not doing my research and kind of actually looking for stuff um and just kind of expecting stuff to pop up on my timeline oh like watch this but um yeah i actually watched this and i finished watching it five minutes before we started recording this um because <laughs> uh because we had the extra half an hour and i used what was left in my day to watch this and it was really really good um i think yoshiko's look kind of shouted out to me that 
I don't know, it's probably me looking into it and finding if it's not there, but um, I think kind of like the darker kind of hair colour and the kind of uh, like the darker gear and stuff, and it is kind of showing that she was kind of like, and then still looked down upon, or like she was kind of like low, like in like a low place after everything that happened. Um, that's probably just me being like an, an idiot and just like reaching at straws. But, but um, still an interesting way to look at it. I like the yeah. idea. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. This was it was really really good. Um, this is kind of another great match from uh, Takumi, um, and she has never kind of disappointed when I've watched her. Um, most notably the matches with uh, Mayu um, in Stardom last year. But yeah, this was really good. Um, and the finish was they, they, it was really really well paced. Um, the kind of even like submissions. Um, from Takumi were kind of really well applied and the fact that she used the Boston Crab to um, eventually kind of transition into that half crab which she applied like really deep and it just looked like horrible um, and yeah it was just like a really really good kind of like back and forth like Yoshiko bullying um, Takumi for parts of the match and then like Takumi like kind of dominating and it was just it was just what I like in my wrestling it was really really like really enjoyable stuff it's more inter- it feels it's like I'm kind of repeating myself, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting to see um, Yoshiko being more of um, taking more of an underdog um, underdog position, being more on the yeah on the defensive end, and then not being as dominant as you would expect her to see. Like it's always a nice contrast, and it's a pretty it's. Something I did appreciate, and Takumi does sell the the the, dom- the dominant side, especially where strikes. Um, she does sell that well, so that match was pretty neat. Um, the next one is one is a match I didn't think even existed, which is Goshiozaki of Pro Wrestling Noah um, coming o- coming over uh, to face Tanai Takahashi um, in September in September of 2018 at the Still Endless Summer Show. I was blown away by this match uh, and the and Shiozaki actually playing the the gentle bully in a sense, but pretty well. Like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you. I'm I'm leaving the uh, the floor to you now to talk about the match. Um, but just to put, just to put it quickly, yeah, I was quite blown away by this one. Like pretty neat discovery. Yeah, I think just like seeing the fact that it was like a thing kind of blew me away. And it was actually one of, I think this and the next two matches we're going to discuss are the, the only three on this list that I hadn't actually seen. Mm. But um, just kind of like the premise, like just looking at it on paper and it's like, this can go one of two ways. It's either going to be like, it's going to be like really well put together um, or it's going to kind of flop and it's not going to seem realistic and it's going to like, it's going to suck a bit and, Judging by your reaction to it, um, I think it's going to be like one of the more enjoyable matches um, on this list. Yeah, I, I do think it was re- it was handled pretty well. Um, both both showcasing uh, the the the, the, um, the inherent difference um, of uh, of size and strength between Shiozaki and Takahashi, yet putting over putting over uh, Takahashi's fighting spirit and will to go. Um, at the end of the day, as you can expect, she doesn't she doesn't succeed in actually winning, but still pretty. It's a great it's a great performance, and while it doesn't have much, it doesn't it's not one of those matches which has really big taste to it, but it's 
if somebody that stands out and in a really positive way, uh, one of those very good intergender matches that you can find and which aren't really that, that much talked about. Like before actually finding about it, I, I literally never knew this one existed. So yeah, like if you if you ever have to recommend an inter intergender intergender match, I should say, um, that that would be one of the of the main ones for me. Like very simple but very effective. Um, and now we're gonna we're gonna move back to actually woman woman match. Um, moving on to. Uh, one of the one of may, one of many sealing beyond the sea singles championships championship matches. Um, the first one between Nanai Takahashi and Takumi Hiroa uh, from May 29th of 2019 from the State Tune 2019 show. Uh, as you told me, that is one of two of two others that you have yet to see, that that you have yet to see. So, uh, for my impression. Um, this was another show, another showcase of Hiroa being very dominant uh, with her kick, with her kicks mainly, and some of her submissions well, mainly the sleeper. Um, it's it's a pretty good, it's a pretty pretty good, pretty good match. Uh, the only pet peeve that I that I have um, would be thigh slapping, but then it's really if you if you really are very bothered by this, maybe. Maybe it could bother you because you can you can really notice it, but at the end of the day, it's still a pretty pretty good match. More than silly, more than silly performance between the two, um, and yeah, definitely a match I would recommend if you if if you start if you want to get into into sidling, which is of course the the idea behind this spot behind this podcast, trying to get uh, as many people as um, as possible to be more to be curious and getting and checking out and checking out sidling. Um, move, moving on then to another Takuri Hiroa match, uh, the one versus Arisu Nakajima um, from September, September 2019. Um, this match, for for con- for context, um, so after the the, ma- the match Hiroa had with Takahashi, um, Nakajima actually inter- actually came to the ring and. Um, Essentially, started arguing with with Takashi. You could tell she was disappointed, and it was it was part of the few uh, the growing feud between the two that was going that had, had been building on at the time. And this was uh, Nakajima's, Nakajima's this next match was uh, Nakajima's second chance at actually winning the title uh, against 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 Hiroa. Uh, it's another yeah very solid performances. I have the same bet peeve regarding. Uh, regarding hero side slapping, but in the end, it's still a very solid performance. Uh, you uh, you you pretty much have the same ingredients as the as the match with Takahashi, with Hiroa being very dominant and Nakajima essentially fighting through and ultimately and well ulti- ultimately finding the finding an opening and managing to to pick up the win in contrary to Takahashi. So another another very very good match and the start of um, of Nakajima's title run. Um, now we're going to move on to to another match of uh, Nakajima of Nakajima's title run, which is a match against Rina Yamashita from the Silly New, New Leaf show from March March 10th of 2020. I I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's, uh, that that you actually seen this one. Uh, 
So I'm gonna leave the so I'm gonna leave the floor to you on this one. I think I watched it when it first happened and it was like you know where like you dip your toe into a promotion like a little bit and it was like I'm not sure if I don't know what was up with it. Um it was just it was a weird one. Like it wasn't like a bad match, but it was strange. Um I can't really... It's been like a year since I watched it, but from what I remember of it, it was good. Um, I think Nakajima had like a comeback at some point, and that was enjoyable. Um, I think Nakajima kind of, as like a comeback artist, um, if that's like a term that could be used, like I think she's one of the best. I think like she's really good at kind of working from underneath and then coming back and like, going, like, full-on murder mode. Like, think what people think Kota Ibushi is, but, like, ten times better and actually good. <laughs> I think it's only a agree with you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kota Ibushi fans. Like, he's a good wrestler, but, like, he's not compelling. You're still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just... Yeah, I didn't re- I can't, I don't really know what else to add. I really should have, like, rewatched everything before. And, like... Or made some notes when I did watch it, like, just in case we did something like this. But there's bound to be, like, an article or something in the future that's similar to this podcast. So... Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, just to add my two cents on this match. This was the... Um, uh, the... Yeah, the, the second ceiling match that I actually watched, and the first the first full show that I watched. Uh, to me, yeah, the, the the big thing that really stood out uh, that was the the, di- the dynamic that was that was shown between the two. It was my first time watching Rina Yamashita, so I was pretty impressed with with her work. As yeah, kind of same as Yoshiko, more of as the more as the bully and um, and the powerhouse of the ma- the powerhouse of the match uh, in comparison to Nakajima. Uh, being more crafty and relying on, on her speed as well. That, again, th- there was a, there was a good chemistry there, but at the end of the day, I don't think it does. I don't see it as like with more insight. I don't look at it quite as highly as I used to, but it's still a pretty good match. Um, and then the last match we're going to talk about is uh, another Arisen Kajima title defense, this time against Asuka from June 13th, which we already have mentioned a little bit earlier from the Delivered to You ma- uh, show. Uh, this match was great. I think we can both agree on it. Yeah, absolutely. This is my first introduction to Asuka after kind of hearing, like, kind of whispers that were kind of getting a bit too loud for me to ignore. And I think this was the first full seedling show that I watched. And it was just... Um, I'd kind of seen some of um, Arisa's matches before. I think it was the match with Kana from December 2013, which is one of my favourite... Well, probably one of my favourite women's matches ever. I think it's probably either first or second best Um but yeah, this was really great. Um, Asuka um, kind of made a brilliant first impression. Um, there was like some really um, first kind of real indicator, like where I kind of realised like how smooth Arisa was, like in the ring. 
Mm. Um, there was like some really good limb work from both and some really, really good kind of like stuff, like map based stuff um, that's kind of played well. Um, I think Asuka's kind of incredible in terms of like, how versatile she is. We saw it like um, on the um, women's tournament, the AW on, on Monday. Um, and she was kind of working kind of like a map based style, but then she was doing kind of like more kind of like high pace, like um, kind of like high speed lucha style moves. That was the most stupid sentence I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> lucha things. I'm an idiot. But um, yeah, it was like really enjoyable stuff. Um, and it made me stick around and watch more seedlings. So it did its job and it was another great defense for Arisa before if I'm not mistaken this was her last defence before she lost it to uh, Yoshiko yeah, yeah it was and yeah as you as you pointed out like the the two main things really also that that stuck out to me was uh Arisa's smoothness in the ring like or like I had already quite started to notice it with the first two matches that I watched over but this was this really was the one where it really struck me and I was like Damn, <laughs> like this is some otherworldly thing, and I, I don't, I don't think I can name that many wrestlers which I, which I, which I, which I can, which I can say are, are at that same level of smoothness and being as accurate in what they do while being, while being pretty fast and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And the other thing, as Asuka, as you said, she can do it all. She really can do everything in that ring, and like this was my this was my first um, my my first watch of um, the, the first match that I saw of her as well, and I was completely blown away. Um, she, wherever wherever she goes, this young woman is going to be an absolute star. I, th- th- there's no way she doesn't end up being a star, no matter where she goes. Yeah. She has. To, like, I think it's incredible the fact that she's been wrestling for what, like five years at this point, and it's just yeah, I think wow, it's four or five years. It's very yeah. impressive. It's like, how dare you be like this disgustingly good with like five years in? Like some wrestlers I've seen are like twenty years in and they're not as smooth. And it's like, um, I would like to point out as well, like that match um, was kind of kind of made me realize like how much the little details matter because like um, I remember like a recent doing like. Uh, moving into like submissions and stuff well like this could be applied to like both women it's kind of they were moving like they were like close to the ropes like say a hold had been applied close to the ropes and they'd move it closer to like the centre of the ring mm-hmm. and it's something that I kind of always wanted in wrestling but I'd never really seen before and it's kind of like this like in, this is like intelligent wrestling and this is what like more, why aren't more wrestlers doing this? Why they're just kind of like hold, uh, like locking something in like by the ropes. Um, I think this was kind. Of, it was just really, really, really good. And kind of made me think about the first point where I kind of reevaluated what I wanted in my wrestling. Um, so this is kind of a significant match um, for me, like all, all around. Yeah, Sealing definitely uh, is one of those promotions which, as well. Um... I've kind of reshaped uh, the way I was actually uh, my per- I should say my perception of good wrestling in a sense at least uh, for when I look at Joshi wrestling um, yeah like the, the way the, the way the um, things have 
our work in, in Sydney and mainly through through the the bigger main events, mainly in the, the way they work that and the the constant tension that they manage to that they that they manage to have and the attention to details as well as you pointed out. We are the are the two things that now alongside some other promotion that tend to do like the same kind of thing or put the same kind of emphasis I should say. Um yeah, it's been it has helped um making that making that kind of stuff more of the of the thing that I look for in my in my big main events when I when I watch a show. So yeah, um before we close, I would like to ask you one or two um, general questions. Uh, first of all, is how to um, besides the the, Nakaji, the Nakajima versus Takahashi match, the air versus air, which of the all of these matches that we just mentioned is the one that you would recommend the most to people getting into sealing? Um, I think you can't get wrong with the. Uh... Yoshika versus Iroha. Uh, um, I think that's kind of a good platform to kind of not only kind of discover what Seedling's all about, but also kind of if you wanted to uh, branch out into Marvelous, um, then you kind of get a bigger kind of understanding of their ace figure. Um, who, if I'm not mistaken, is out injured with yes, a knee issue is. of some sorts? Yeah, I believe it's a knee issue, yeah, but she, she's currently injured, uh, Iroha, yes. Um, and I'd also kind of recommend any of the um, best friends or like Arisa Nakajima versus Yoshiko kind of tag matches because I feel that by then you're kind of getting familiar with a sizable chunk of the roster and like those that you really kind of need to. Um, with uh, Arisa, um, Yoshiko and Nana who are like the three kind of, well they are like the three stars in that company. Um also, just before we close up, you know, um, say like a lot of people kind of, I feel a lot of people don't watch some wrestling because they don't know how to watch it. Um, we'll just like quickly brush on that. Um, it has, they have some shows on YouTube um, and I'll put, I'll put the link in the pod description um, for this episode. Um, but also Samurai TV and sometimes live pay-per-views, but if you follow some folks on Twitter, like you, you'll find them and I'll link some accounts um in this description to kind of help people out and kind of post links to some of the matches that we've seen. Yeah, because they they do also have uh, their own um, streaming site of sort, which is Sidling Live. Um, you, it, yeah, as you said, it's on paper, it's pay per view, so you've got to, you you've got to pay to watch the shows. And I'm not entirely sure if if they if they do that with all the shows. I'm not sure they do. So. Uh, I've been following the I've been following the Twitter account for quite a while and I haven't seen that many announcements of um of live broadcast on that site so I'm not sure how frequently they use it. Yeah. I think but it's they, just the um the last two shows, wasn't it? The Sari's last um last match before against the WWE and then the uh the seedling versus stardom tag match. Yeah, these last two were broadcasted in the yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So yeah, on that note, uh, unless we've got we've got really anything else to anything else to guess to to add, I guess we can close. Um, uh, Conrad, uh, where can uh, I'll leave me this off. <laughs> yeah, I got my I got my. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I misclicked. Uh, so I was about so I was about to ask you, uh, can, where can we find you on social media? Um, so you can follow me on Twitter uh, at lcompact 2 newt So basically my old username, but uh, instead of compacto, it's like two is in like two eyes after the T. Um, and obviously follow Chopsticks and Nearfalls um, at CK Nearfalls and find all of my work, um, which will eventually be up on that website uh, at comradejnewton.co.uk. And this has been another great episode now. So thank you for being a awesome co-host and kind of dragging me through this episode. Well, thank, well, thank you. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate all of that. Um, as for me, you can find me at, on, twi- on Twitter as well, at MedGeniusVal, and uh, find uh, all of my all of my content at ValtoxPuro on Twitter and ValtoxWrestling.com as for my website. And uh, I thank you as well for, be, for being alongside me for this for this for this episode and and let me be the the host of this of this nice podcast and we're good and uh, we're gonna close this out on wishing you a a good night good day whenever you are listening to this and see see you next month yep see everybody next month.